0: Every man dies, but not every man really lives. Of course, that's from the movie Braveheart, and it's about William Wallace, who is a Scottish landowner. He's kind of one of the leaders of the, the Scottish fight for independence against England. This was like around 1300, and ultimately King Edward I of England um, sentenced Wallace to be tortured and to be killed for crimes of treason against the land of England. And you know, we're, we're kind of captivated. We're just captivated by these stories of bravery. As men and women overcome their fears, as they overcome the risk to stand up for what's right, it, 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 it's, it, it's just incredible to watch. But it's not bravery because there's no fear. Bravery is the ability to stand up in the midst of fear. We stand in awe as the military personnel risk their lives to go into battle for us. We stand in awe as policemen and firefighters and public servants take their stand to protect us. We celebrate those Who boldly face disease and loss and destruction, and they stand boldly against their fears. Nelson Mandela described bravery not as the absence of fear, but as the triumph over it. And I'm thankful for the brave, and I honor them, and I celebrate their great feats. But today we're going to focus on a little different shade of bravery. And it's not really celebrated much in our society. It's not really held out by our world as really having great value. These men and women are really not considered heroes. But unlike many of those who are brave, these people have learned to truly live. And these are the believers in Jesus Christ who have the courage to confront their fears, the courage to confront their pain, the courage to confront... The danger and uncertainty of our world they face their failures they face their shortcomings they face their shame and their guilt and their sin they face overwhelming circumstances and they surrender to Jesus Christ that takes real courage matter of fact believers who are filled with the spirit are the most courageous people on this earth you see, we have to understand something. We have to understand that we are in a true eternal battle. And this battle is being waged that we can't see, and it's a spiritual battle. And the weapons are, are war, not nuclear. They're spiritual. And those who are courageous in the battle are the warriors who are living according to the book, who are using the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. They wear the armor of God. You have true courage if when you're able to see kind of this unseen reality, if you're able to understand the truth that we're behind enemy lines, that we're in a battle, this true courage then allows you to choose to be controlled by the Spirit of God rather than the Spirit of this world. It takes courage to believe God and His Word when everything around us screams that He's not the one true God. It takes courage to accept the unconditional love of God. I was with a friend this week and we were talking about that love and and we fear unconditional love. And the reason we fear it is because if we receive unconditional love, our only response is to pass it along. That takes courage. Courage. Mark Twain said it's very curious how physical courage should be so common in our world and, and moral courage so rare. Physical bravery really can even be a trap in that we're encouraged to repress our fears. Spiritual courage forces us to face our fears and to realize there's only one to fear. To realize there's only one to revere as holy, the great I am. Of course, we have an enemy, Satan, and he's always trying to counterfeit God's design, and God designed us to be controlled by the Spirit. He designed us to to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is to... To dominate our lives but the deceiver wants us to be controlled instead by things that are outside us so today i want to encourage us to have courage courage to live truly filled lives filled with the holy spirit if you have your bibles open to ephesians we're in chapter 5 of the book of ephesians uh, chapter 5 and it's just we're going to focus on one verse today just one ephesians five eighteen. And it says this, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Father, we come to you this morning, and, and we ask that you would just um, take away all our distractions, all the, the craziness of our week behind us, and all the things that we have to look forward to this upcoming week, even maybe this afternoon, God, and just bring us to this moment. I pray that you would just uh, uh, anoint this time with your power and with your spirit and that you would just get me out of the way and let your word and your truth just speak to each and every one of us. May your words be just like the dynamite that explodes in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would just be magnified and glorified in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. See, we're going to all be controlled by something. All of us are. So Paul's not pleading for abstinence here. He's pleading for the courage to be saturated by the Holy Spirit. Now remember where we are in our walk. We've been looking at this book of Ephesians, started with the life of Paul, and now we focused onto this letter he wrote. And we've been challenged and we've been encouraged as to how to live. But it didn't come... As to how to live Instead it came from this whole baseline Of who we are and what God's done for us And how we're changed, how we're new creatures And because we're new creatures in Christ And the Holy Spirit lives in us Here's how it plays out Here's how the obedience springs forth And we've learned that we're to be careful How we walk We're to look around, we're to be wise Because we just have this little limited season on earth We call it a lifetime But it's very limited We have learned that we're to walk in wisdom, that we're not to be distracted by evil, that that instead we're just kind of slow down and surrender to Christ. We've been encouraged by Paul that as believers we can really get to know God. We really can, and we can make him known. We can allow his love to permeate our hearts and and to flow through us. Ephesians has really encouraged us as believers that we're children of the King. Yeah, the Creator, the one true God and we all have this opportunity to truly live but we must look to the sustainer to the giver of life first Paul tells us do not get drunk with wine that's dissipation do not get drunk now to the church at Ephesus and to all the surrounding churches as is most believe this was a circular letter the idea to walk in wisdom you must not get drunk with wine would make perfect sense Because, you see, to them, drunkenness was a form of pagan worship. And they believed that to commune with their false gods, one of which was the god of wine, to commune with this god, you had to get drunk. So the idea was to be controlled by this god, or be controlled by this this idol that they worshipped, so they would pursue the fruit of the vine to excess, right? They would pursue the fruit to try and get right inside. And you can kind of see the counterfeit. That plays through all of life. Everything's upside down. The, The counterfeit is to pursue the external to get an internal peace. And the scripture commands us, do not get drunk with wine. Drunk here comes from the Greek word which carries the idea of saturated, controlled by. Uh, this is not about drunkenness. It's not, this is about drunkenness. This is not about wine. Catch that. This is about drunkenness, okay? When someone gets drunk and drives a car, we call it driving under the influence. And it's dangerous to be under the influence of alcohol. Proverbs 20, verse 1 tells us that wine produces mockers, beer brawlers. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. You see, drunkenness is dissipation, the scriptures say. That means it's a waste of resources it'll ruin your life and we all know this even our secular society recognizes the danger of drunkenness now see the focus here is on drunkenness not on wine it's not like well last night i kind of got hammered but it was on jack daniels so it's it's fine because it's not wine okay right that that's how we easily can kind of twist these things but what we need to realize that what he's, what he's emphasizing to us here is not to be controlled by wine or by alcohol. You could carry that on and say we can be controlled, we could be drunk with power or with lust or with greed or, or fear even by trying to please other people. That's a whole other message. But, but as believers, we have an option here. We're commanded to be filled by the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled by the Spirit. And as we look at that and as we consider that, the very first thing that I want to really start with is to start with the fact that being filled by the Spirit is not what it is not. And I think that's very important. You see, being filled with the Spirit is not the same as possessing the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not the same as being indwelt by the Spirit. We possess the Holy Spirit from the moment of our salvation. From the moment we know Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us, John tells us. Romans 8 9 even goes so far where Paul says, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. As a believer, we have the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. First Corinthians, Paul writes that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. John tells us the Spirit is with us forever. In the Old Testament, before Pentecost, the Spirit would come on people for a certain season or for a certain powerful use. And and Pentecost came. And Pentecost, remember, is after Jesus was crucified. He rose from the grave. He came back and was seen by many. And then he ascended into heaven. Then he sent his spirit. That's what happened at Pentecost. He sent his Holy Spirit to come on and indwell all believers permanently. The Spirit intercedes for us, we're told in Roman. The Spirit is our power, our ability, we're told in Acts. The, The Spirit is a divine pledge for what's to come, we're told in 2 Corinthians. The Spirit is given without limit. There's no degrees of having the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is with you. Not more or less than the person sitting next to you. We have the Holy Spirit. He gives the Spirit without measure, John tells us. We're not commanded to be indwelt by the Spirit. We're not commanded to possess the Holy Spirit. We're not commanded to be sealed with the Spirit. We're not commanded to be baptized by the Spirit. They all happened at regeneration. They all happened at salvation. It's finished, believers. In the book of Acts, the believers were instructed to wait that the Holy Spirit was going to come, and the Holy Spirit initiated the felling, and it was permanent. Do not get drunk. Be filled. But being filled is not the same as possessing or being indwelled with the Spirit. So he says here, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Believers are instructed to act to be filled. The Holy Spirit is still the one who does the filling and it's repeated, but the Holy Spirit is with us and we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. How can that be? The Holy Spirit is with us as believers and we're commanded to be filled with this Holy Spirit. We get confused with this at times. But really, when we think about it, we understand. You see, because we can still choose whether to yield to him or not. We can still choose whether to give him control or not. We can choose to surrender to his influence or not. We as believers all possess the Holy Spirit, but does he possess us? At times, yes. At times, no. 5.18 Book of Ephesians It's not an option It's a command It's a command We can't obey Any of God's will Apart from the Holy Spirit And if you stop and ponder that It really stops and causes me To consider all the times I rely on myself Instead of on the Holy Spirit Let me just kind of rephrase it Anything we do apart from relying on the Holy Spirit is worthless in eternity. Yeah. Anything I do in my power, apart from God's power, is worthless in eternity. And you might look around and think, that was so great. And the world might think, that was so great. Thank you for doing it. It was really a good thing. Unless it's done relying on the Holy Spirit, it's all going to wash away. He's the one who's good. He's the one who we need. In the Greek language, be filled means to be controlled by. Literally, this would read, be being kept filled. And it was like a net that was kind of overfilled with fish. It was like when you packed for that trip and you pack your suitcase so full you have to sit on it to try and get it to latch. Then it weighs 49.9 pounds or whatever. So you don't want to pay that extra. But that's the idea It's crammed full This word is in the present tense It's like this continuous action Not once for all are we to be filled But day to day Moment to moment Are we submit to the Spirit's control It's to be a regular pattern of our lives The word used to describe filling uh, In the Greek language Was like filling a sail And then carrying a ship along So if you don't have any wind The sailboat doesn't move across the water It just drifts and it just drifts unless you're in it and you row. And so often, really, when we think about it, we kind of spend our, ride, our lives rowing. We try and do our best. We, we, we figure out where we want to go and we start rowing toward it, start working toward it. We don't want to just drift. We want to go. But we often lack the courage to surrender to the Spirit and trust that He knows where He's leading us. John 3.8, one of my favorite sections there, a scripture says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. But you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Marsh and I were out hiking the other day in the hills, and I love being in the hills and just catching the wind through the trees and hearing the sound of it and seeing the trees move. And it just it blows me away to think this is the way God moves. I don't know where he's going He's going It's exciting to think what he's doing in our lives You see To be filled with the spirit carries the idea of just permeation It's like if you marinate meat The flavor permeates the whole piece of meat Or a sponge that's filled with water The idea is like this total control We're to be under the influence Under the control of the spirit Not under the control of wine or fear, or anger, or sorrow, or pride, or greed, or lust, go on the list, right? Our emotions are not to control us. Our selfish desires are not to control us. We're a, the Holy Spirit is to control us. Now, many commentators use the, the picture of gloves to illustrate this. And, you know, gloves are, are designed for a certain type of work. And uh, there's all different kinds of gloves, right? But even more than that, gloves are designed for the hand, Gloves are useless, they're powerless unless they're filled with the hands. Gloves can't work on their own. The only work they can effectively perform is the hands work. And so Paul is admonishing the church here. Believers, let the spirit fill you. He lives in you. Surrender to his influence. Gloves don't ask for assignments and then go carry them out on their own. They need the hand. If gloves could speak, they wouldn't brag about what they've been used for. The hand gets the credit. Gloves wouldn't complain about where they haven't been used. The hand is in control. You get the picture? We're just gloves. And yet we always try and give ourselves a hand. That's how we live, right? We're, 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 we're always trying to be in control. We're designed for God. We're to glorify God. We're to be powerless without him. We need him. And we're useless without the Father. Jesus even said, I do nothing on my own. I do nothing apart from what God leads me to do. So you get this picture. We're not to be drunk with wine, okay? We're to be filled with the Spirit, which is different than being indwelt by the Spirit. And so then the question gets to be, well, how do I do this? And I've really thought about this a lot. How do I do this? How are we to be filled with the Spirit? And Oswald Chambers, his wife's the one who put together uh, his teaching into the the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. Oswald Chambers described how he overcame barrenness in his Christian life. And it's kind of interesting because he just said this. He said, I was desperate I knew no one had what I wanted. In fact, I didn't even know what I wanted. But I knew, if what I had was all the Christianity there was, this thing was a fraud. You ever feel that way? If all the Christianity you have is it, this thing is a fraud. That's how he felt. And Luke 11:13 got a hold of me, and in Luke 11:13, uh, uh, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask him. And so Oswald went to this little meeting in Denoon, and a well-known lady was asked to speak after the meeting and she didn't speak. Instead, she just had him pray and then she sang, touch me again, Lord. And he said, I felt nothing but I knew emphatically my time had come. I rose to my feet then and there. I claimed the gift of the Holy Spirit in dogged committal on Luke 11:13. I asked him. And he said, I had no vision of heaven, no vision of angels. I felt nothing. I was dry and I was empty as ever. I had no power. I had no realization of God. I had no witness of the Holy Spirit. And then I was asked to speak at a meeting, he said, and he said, 40 souls came to the front and entrusted Christ. And I came to realize that God intended me, having asked, to simply take it by faith that the power would be there. I might see it only by a backward look, but I was to reckon on the fact that God would be with me. There's the picture. You see, walking in wisdom... Walking in the light simply requires submission and surrender to the Creator, the God, who's really overall anyway. We just think we're in control. We're so deceived. But the problem is, we're just too smart. We have too much information at our fingertips. We have too much knowledge in our society. And so we've really lost, in many ways, the simplicity of life. That's why being filled seems so difficult. It seems so perilous to trust God with wherever he wants us to go. Are you kidding me? All these choices in this world, and you want me to give up my desire and just trust you, God, to lead wherever you want to go? Are you kidding me? That takes courage. You see, Andrew Murray writes, the Christian life is kind of like Peter walking on the waves. There's nothing as difficult and impossible without Christ and nothing as blessed and safe with Christ. We're filled with the Spirit one step at a time. We believe that God is really God, that He's really here. So how do we live filled with the Spirit? Now catch this. I've tried to really capture this, and I've spent a long time thinking about this, and it's amazing how profound this is. So how do we live with the Spirit? We ask. Isn't that great? We ask it's that simple we ask we ask do you want the power the joy the peace the love of the spirit to dominate your life ask him it's as simple as learning to take every challenge every situation every relationship and turn it over to God and ask him to help us one author described the the spirit filled life as you, you just go about your life you make your decisions handle your crisis raise your kids do what you do Acting as if God is really going to do what he said he would do (laughs) You see our decisions matter Our choices have consequences And so a little choice really can change your life's direction And and for some that's really thrilling at times in our lives Because our lives are so screwed up And to somehow think a little choice can change everything Is totally exhilarating And on the other side It's kind of terrifying because a little choice can really screw up our lives, right? And and so these decisions we make, they add up and and it it really matters. So we have all these choices and we have to decide what is right and how do we make decisions. And we can, first of all, just go by logic, right? We can go by reason. We can reason out every decision. And there's a lot of decisions, though, that don't make any sense at the time. And yet they're right. Abraham, go sacrifice your son Isaac. Logic doesn't work there. So we can't always trust our logic, but so then we kind of fall back to our feelings. I just felt like this was the right thing to do. I just felt like this was good. I just felt like this was what God would want for me. And you know, at times we all know our emotions lie to us. Fear is a classic example. We're only to fear God, and we fear lots of stuff. And they control us. But, but they get us in trouble By just going by our feelings They're not always reliable David had strong feelings As he saw Bathsheba And he had an affair with her And then he had his mighty man Uriah murdered Because of how he felt It was wrong Just like tomorrow If you go to work And you can try it on your boss And say I just don't feel Like coming to work today Right? And they would say fine Don't come again It's fine your choice You see it says we can't go just by feelings So then we, we go by circumstances We look around and think Oh man I gotta go by circumstances Everything seems to be Pointing this way I just have to walk through this way or Everything's horrible So I must be doing something wrong Well Peter walked on the water And as long as he was focused On Jesus Christ He walked on the water He sank When he started looking At the waves crashing around him We need to look towards God Circumstances aren't always The correct judge So then we can say Well you look in the Bible And and the Bible gives us This picture of God And points us to God But the Bible's not going to tell you Where to live Which house to buy The Bible's not going to tell you Where to go to work Or where to go to school Or what kind of car to buy Or how much to spend on your car Or what color it should be The Bible's not going to tell you Whether you need to buy An Apple or a PC See they just You look all you want so you just can't just go by that for every decision. So then we start thinking, well, maybe I should just go by what everybody else says or everybody else does. And so we, we look at experts and think, well, the experts say do this, so I'm going to do this. Or, or, or we look at our friends. They're all doing this, so I need to make that decision based on them. Or family. Or, or someone that we trust. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was the king, and, and uh, him and all the other people thought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should bow down to his idol of gold. The king was the one who had authority. He made the rules. The experts say, bow or die. And they said, no. We only bow to the one true God. And they were thrown in the fire. And that true God delivered them from the fire. Even though everyone around them said, you shouldn't do that. You should just bow. So how do we choose? You see, it's a combination of all these things. You use your logic, God gave us reason. You use your emotions, you use your circumstances. Look to the word of God. God will never ask you to do anything that violates any of his words. Seek godly counsel. But above all, pray. Ask. Ask God. So many times I'm struggling with decisions and I realize I haven't really stopped. Set aside time to just say, God, whatever you like, I'll do. Guide me. The Holy Spirit is with you, believers. He will guide. Pray with open hands. Not trying to get what you want. Or hold on what you have. Open hands. God, whatever you want, I'm yours. I'm going to trust that you actually know what's best for me. Just pray. Just pray. He'll direct. And believe me, this takes incredible courage. We minimize that. It takes incredible courage to believe and trust God. More courage than you will have to muster to do almost anything else in life. It takes courage. Takes courage to believe the psalmist in Psalm thirty seven where he said, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That takes courage. You mean I'm just supposed to pursue God and everything else is going to fall into place? Who's going to take care of me? Come on. That takes courage. That God would really know what I really desire. John MacArthur says it this way when we are what God wants us to be, He's in control. Our will is merged with His will, and He therefore gives us the desires He has planted in our hearts. That takes courage to believe. Last week after church, I was given one of my favorite Oswald Chambers quotes, and it goes like this It says, It's the sick person who really knows what health is. A child of God is not aware of the will of God because he is the will of God. Did you catch that? A child of God is not aware of the will of God because he is the will of God? You see, when we've deviated even slightly from the will of God, he goes on, we begin to ask, Lord, what's your will? A child of God never prays to be made aware of the fact that God answers prayer because he's so restfully certain that God always answers prayer. That takes courage. We don't know for sure the right decision every time. We use all the above, we pray, but you know what? At times, we just get to choose. At times, God allows us just to choose what we desire. And if the choice doesn't violate his word, choose what you like. You want blue? You have blue. You want green? Get green. It's not about every choice. The essence is about depending on God, surrendering to God. That takes courage. You know, every one of us is going to die unless the Lord returns prior to that, but not all of us will truly live. And we as believers have the privilege of being able to truly live. Imagine that. We can choose to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit as often as we like. He produces and bears in our lives love we all want and joy. ah, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And the people around us can't understand why we don't need this, this counterfeit to control us, why we don't need to be drunk with wine to come in with our God because we have the real thing. We have the real source of life. We can truly live. So today, think about what's controlling you. Maybe it is alcohol. Maybe it is a spouse or a relationship or your kids or maybe it's your boss or maybe it's finances or maybe it's this future worries or, or maybe it's your body, how you look or how you feel, or maybe it's politics, what's happening in our country. But really, the only legitimate controlling reality in a believer is to be God's spirit. And this requires incredible courage. Who's going to take care of me if I pursue God? We have to surrender to him instead of all the things in this world we can see. And we have to know that the result's going to be that we will receive... And thus we will be able to give unconditional love. Believe me, it's easier to choose almost anything else. That's why the warriors of this world are fighting an eternal battle. That's why they're fighting a spiritual battle. That's why we have to fight with the sword of the spirit and the armor of God. It takes incredible courage. But the results are unparalleled. You get to truly live. As the magicians um, come up and and close us here, Um, I'm just going to ask us to take a few minutes. We have an elder to pray with after the service if you'd like up front. But I'm just going to ask you to take a few minutes before God and ask. And I'll start us and I'll be quiet. Father God, we just come to you and we ask for you to fill us with your power. And I just pray that that would be the prayer of each and every one of us, that we would call out to you and ask that you would fill us with your spirit this day.
1: Thank you, Lord, for uh, everything that you've bent to us, everything that you've given us. And I pray that uh, we would leave today and that we would feel your presence in our lives and that we would ask you to lead us uh, in the direction you have us to go this week. In your name we pray.